Thanks for being with us this morning. Time to check in with the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer with his take on the headlines today. Good morning to you. And good morning, Jill. The big throne speech versus pandemic briefing yesterday. Yeah, quite a doubleheader yesterday. Two o'clock, we got the throne speech. Three o'clock, we got the pandemic briefing. Uh, you know, uh, you, have to, you have to cover both uh, events, of course, if you're doing your job in the news media. But I have to say, the more pressing news and the, the bigger headlines are out of the pandemic. It is still with us, no matter how much the government wants to tell us, yeah, we got this throne speech and yeah, the end is in sight. Well, um, I think the big news yesterday was mostly in the pandemic briefing. Yeah, I would agree. Even uh, we, It's nice to hear that the end is in sight and these plans are in place, but we still, I think more people want to know exactly uh, when they're going to get the vaccine and what's next. Yeah, and you know, Dr. Henry has resisted wave talk for a while, but she said, I don't need to tell you this yesterday, we're in the third wave. I, I was actually pretty struck by a couple of things in that briefing. Um, one of them was what's happening in the hospitals. So, you go back to the second wave back in December, and we had a lot of people in hospital then too, but most of them were just in hospital. They weren't in the ICU. Um, pick a day, uh, the last thrown speech in December, there were over 300 people in hospital, but only 20 in the ICU. Yesterday, 120 in the ICU, six times as many, and Adrian Dix, who's, you know, this huge effort he put into canceling surgeries and getting the hospitals under control and staffing them up and then bringing back all of the elected surgeries. And yesterday he said, no, you know, we're not talking changing en masse, but we are having to redeploy some staff around the ICU because in some of our hospitals, the ICU is now in danger of being overwhelmed. So that's a pretty big change. And, you know, we also had continuing deaths, what, 18 deaths over the weekend, uh, still a problem there. Uh, the system is uh, still trying to deal with the third wave, and I think that's why we're getting um, headlines out of it, but also people still worried. Uh, do you think there needs to be more when you mention the 18 deaths and it's, uh, it's very sad that 18 more people have lost their lives. But as you've mentioned, too, this isn't happening in long term care uh, and not that one life is more important than another. But because we've seen the vaccination go into long term care homes and, and that protection is there, should there be more of a focus on exactly who is dying? And I'm not m- not breaching privacy, but would that send a better message or a stronger message as to just how serious this is? Um you know, I, I think you're right, Jill. And, and Dr. Henry got asked that question. Like, I, I, we, we're hearing it, too. Like, wait a minute. I thought we'd solve this problem in long-term care. Um, how, how are people still dying from this thing? Well, first of all, because COVID-19 is a very dangerous disease. You do not want to get it. But the other thing was she said, no, we, we haven't had a death for a while in long-term care. Almost everyone in long-term care is vaccinated. Uh, staff is as well. And in the rare cases where there's a case in long-term care, including once in a while, rarely, of someone who's been vaccinated, it's a mild case. So the problem is handled there. But I guess it's a little like a waterbed effect. You've got She said the people that are dying now are still mostly older people. They're 60 and over. They're in hospitals. So these are people who've gotten COVID-19 through 
spread through private gatherings, uh, social events, in their home because somebody brought it in, their multi-generational home, for example, workplaces. Uh, they end up with a very severe case. They end up in hospital. They end up in the ICU. And in some cases, they die, which, as you say, is a tragedy. But the 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 case count, the, the death toll has moved mostly into hospitals now. Um, it's still running at a high level. And as Dick said yesterday, with, you know, 120 cases in the ICU yesterday, we're having to redeploy resources. He said it won't be en masse redoing of elective surgeries the way it was last year when we just didn't know what we were looking at and were afraid of the Italian scenario. But it is a significant shift of resources again and a reminder that this is still a healthcare crisis that needs to be managed on a daily basis. Uh, Dr. Henry also talked yesterday, uh, and I thought it was stronger language, when she said in the past, stay in your health authority, she was even more clear yesterday saying, stay in your community. Yeah, I'm beginning to wonder if you can even cross the street. Uh, you know, seriously, uh, there was there have been very strong messages for a while about don't travel, uh, don't stay overnight in other communities, don't go to small rural communities that are at risk, uh, all of that. But now, yesterday, she said, as you point out, Jill, she said, you know, if you're living on the North Shore, don't think you're going to go for a walk in a park in Langley. Um, I, I would apply it in Victoria. Don't if you're if you're living in Victoria, yeah, maybe Oak Bay, which is right next door. But don't imagine you're going to go on the other side of the Malahat or out to Saanich and Sydney or off to Souk. It's just it really is a stay home message. I was struck also that she said, you know, the message for a while has been. Outdoors is okay as long as you're, you know, with your bubble with a small group. But she said yesterday, even that, you want to be careful. If you can avoid it, don't do it. So we're getting down to, it's not lockdown, but it's basically mask up, social distance, and avoid, if possible, uh, maybe take your pet for a walk or your, or, or if you're a spouse. But other than that... Um, Stay home and certainly don't venture outside your community. Uh, workplace orders as well. Uh, and yeah. that, so the new Workplace BC uh, order is now in place. Yes, it went in effect last night. It's, um, it's selective. There was, I think, some thought and, and rumors over the weekend that, well, it was going to be a, a big workplace lockdown. No, it's selective. Where there are sufficient cases, alarming number, I think it's a half dozen, no, three in a workplace, um, then there can be an order to close the workplace. And it's also struck with her saying yesterday that the list of places that are under closure orders is going to be published. So um, it's not punitive, but it is kind of a warning to workplaces that your name is going to be out there. So you want to get these things under control. It's uh, again, we're not we're not certainly getting the kind of sweeping dramatic lockdowns that we've seen in other places. That's been the BC approach all along. Has been tweaking and working at the edges and going from I advise you not to to firmer guidelines, but. We're certainly seeing, if you put it together, everything we got yesterday, um, 
Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix and the public health people are still pretty worried about how this thing is unfolding, and they are struggling to get it under control. I was struck, too, yesterday by the number of times that Dr. Henry pleaded for patience with people who want to get vaccinated, who think they have a good case to be priorized. And what came through on that is, folks, we have limited supplies of vaccine here. We're trying to use everything we get. And if there's any interruption, further interruption in supply, we're going to have to cancel some of what we're doing right now. We don't have a lot of vaccine to spare. Uh, Yeah, I thought it was kind of the nicest way to diss Ottawa they could possibly have done. Yeah, you know, the government of B.C. has been in my view, overly generous in not criticizing Ottawa for its failures on the on the delivery, lining up vaccine supplies. And we had Patty Haidu, the federal health minister, was out on Twitter taking shots at the provinces and saying, hey, you know, we, we, we've sent a whole lot of vaccine to them, and hey, they haven't even dispensed all of it yet. And Adrian Dix, you know, has bit his tongue a few times on this, And he said again yesterday, you know, he said, look, we could handle, we have the staff and the clinics here in BC to handle another million doses if only they would send it to us. So they're still not blaming Ottawa. And as I said, in my view, they could, but they're not. But they are making it clear that we are struggling with limited supplies of vaccine here in British Columbia. And it's not our fault. It is Ottawa's fault. And all of the groups out there saying, well, I should have priority, um, they have lots of sympathy for them. What they're doing is trying to prioritize prioritize limited supplies um, for for the highest risk groups. So firefighters in Surrey and police in Surrey, but there isn't enough supply yet to do firefighters and police in Vancouver. Um, Workers in Whistler, but... Visitors who go to Whistler who figure they can get vaccinated there, nope, that's not what the supplies are for. It really is a a daunting job, I said. It really came through yesterday to me, Jill. It's a daunting job to manage limited supplies. I give Dr. Penny Ballum and the team that's working with her a lot of credit for what they're doing because once in a while we see these, this involves a lot of tough decisions. It does, uh, and we will uh, see what happens next. Vaughn, we'll leave it there and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you. Bye-bye, Joe. That is the Vancouver Suns' Vaughn Palmer.